MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. Today, top DOJ official Demers resigns as Merrick Garland meets with media executives targeted in the leak investigation. Senate Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin has sent a letter to Garland demanding materials and whether DOJ sought records of other Democrats. With a June 28th deadline, Judge Berman Jackson grants a stay in the Bill Barr memo case. Mitch McConnell says if he controls the Senate in 2024, he will not allow Biden to appoint a Supreme Court justice. And reality winner has been freed from prison. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. How are you? Hi, G. Okay. <laughs> Listen. I'm just going to say this at the top of the show because I'm giggly. If for some reason my pronunciation of certain words is worse than normal, I guess that this is the enunciation problem. Um, I had a very long dentist appointment and the, my bottom lip is still very numb. So hopefully if this anything happens, it'll be a good laugh for you all. And maybe by the end of the show, I'll be able to fill my face. We'll find out. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, later in the show, I'm going to talk to Frank Fugaluzzi. We're going to discuss sort of the ins and the outs of these subpoenas to about, you know, Schiff and McGann and what the metadata parts of it mean and, uh, you know, whether it constitutes spying, all sorts of really, really important discussions. So stick around for that. And of course, we have the good news at the end of the show. If you have any good news or confessions or corrections or what the mutt or any other games we're playing you want to submit, please do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, we do have a lot of news to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Garland spoke up today. He said words about what's going on with the uh, new inspector general investigation into the, you know, former guys, Department of Justice subpoenaing records from Apple and Microsoft of emails and phone numbers of members of Congress, including Schiff Swalwell, their families, including a minor, uh, and uh, potentially Don McGahn as well and his wife, uh, who all were told. Uh, and oh, oh, and the investigation also goes into all the, the media and reporters and, and the press and stuff like that. And I know CNN was part of this, Washington Post, New York Times reporters all wrapped up in this leak, massive leak investigation that Barr and uh, Rosenstein and uh, Sessions are so far saying they don't recall knowing anything yeah, about it. Don't recall that. Mm hmm. OK. Well, uh, Garland said today, quote, Political or other improper considerations must play no role in any investigative or prosecutorial decisions. These principles that have long been held sacrosanct by the Department of Justice career workforce will be vigorously guarded on my watch, and any failure to live up to them will be met with strict accountability. I have accordingly directed that the matter be referred to the inspector general, and I have full confidence that he will conduct a thorough and independent investigation. Uh, if during that process there are things that were done improperly, Garland says he will make he will take swift action. He will make swift changes. Uh, we only know, like I said, that the, the metadata was requested. So the judge and grand jury may not have been aware of whose data was being subpoenaed or what it, or what it was for. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that with Frank later in the show. Uh, but it's I don't know. It's of note that no content was handed over like like discussions or phone calls. Or sure. Emails. Yeah. 
Yeah. And no charges were brought, obviously, by the grand jury. So Durbin, Dick Durbin, has sent a letter to Merrick Garland saying, I want everything. Give it to me uh, by June 28th. Now, the problem here, and I want everybody to be prepared for this, please, is because if these subpoenas were issued by a grand jury, we all know, and we've talked about this multiple times, that the grand jury secrecy is like of the utmost importance. You might see Merrick Garland turn around and say to Congress, I'm not giving you grand jury material under Rule 6E, grand jury secrecy. Sorry. Okay. And when that happens, I don't want to hear Garland's protecting bar. Okay. Because Garland's protecting the secrecy of the grand jury. That's what's happening. So just kind of be prepared for that. Don't be all mad. Uh, I mean, you know, be mad, but not at Garland. Yeah, know that there's a reason behind it. <laughs> you feel your feelings. Yeah. Feel your feelings. Yeah, feel you. Do you? Yeah, for reals. I'll be angry because I want to see it too. I want to see the Mueller grand jury material, you know, but that was part of a uh, judicial process uh, under Article 1 impeachment powers. So well, I don't know. But Jerry Nadler announced today, thank you, that because, you know, Pelosi was like, I demand that Barr and Rosenstein testify. And I'm like, well, you got the subpoena power, subpoena them. You don't have to walk around demanding. Seriously, demands are not going to work. Yeah, demands are not going to work. Nice try, though. I, I like Nancy, yeah. but demands are not going to work. <laughs> so, um, but Gar- uh, but Nadler, uh, House Judiciary, has said, yep, we're going to investigate. And he's got his staff doing it now. So we will have an investigation in the, sen- in the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, regarding this. And Durbin, who is Senate Judiciary Committee, has sent that letter to Merrick Garland. Schumer is still threatening subpoenas from the Senate. But like I said, you're going to have to get one Republican or Chuck Grassley to sign on to that. And I don't know, maybe he's gotten a behind the door nod that, that Grassley will go along with that. But I don't know. I haven't, I, we haven't heard anything about that. Maybe one of the donors who got to mansion will get to Grassley. We'll see. <laughs> uh, and Demers has resigned. Uh, John Demers, he will go... He's national security head of the National Security Division of Department of Justice. We'll go over that resignation. Uh, and like I said, the implication, uh, uh, the implications of it, we're going to go over later with Frank and tomorrow on cleanup on L45. Uh, so check that out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I will say, as far as this is concerned, that it doesn't look like his resignation is tied to these Department of Justice, former Department of Justice realizations uh, of these improper investigations, potentially improper investigations. So he, he's, he's been planning on leaving for a while now. Uh, uh, but Frank and I have a theory, so stick around for that. It's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to hearing it and seeing Frank's eyebrows. I mean, he's got the best damn eyebrows. They're Better so than good. mine. I have pandemic eyebrows. I am obsessed. I'm objectifying Frank's eyebrows. Okay. Now moving on to this piece of shit, uh, McConnell. I, that's the only way I can start this story because it's just so infuriating. Um, minority leader McConnell signaled Monday that if Republicans were to win back the majority next year, he wouldn't allow President Biden to fill a Supreme Court vacancy during the 2024 election cycle. And he may not even allow a hearing in 2023 if a seat needed to be filled then. This piece of shit still thinks he's majority leader. This is the problem with the filibuster. Okay. Well, if if we lose the Senate in 2022 is what he's we're saying. We're screwed. Oh, I understand. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, this, I just, oh, okay. In an interview with conservative radio host Hugh Hewitt, McConnell was asked if he would give a Biden Supreme Court nominee, quote, fair shot at a hearing if the person is not a radical, but a normal mainstream, mainstream liberal, if he became majority leader again. 
and asked if he would fill a Supreme Court vacancy in 2024 with a Biden nominee, McConnell suggested he would follow the rule he used in 2016 when he blocked then-President Barack Obama's high court nominee, Merrick Garland, after Justice Antonin Scalia's death because it was an election year. Okay. So was RBG. Okay, I can't. I can't. Okay. He said, I think in the middle of a presidential election, if you have a Senate of the opposite party of the president, you have to go back to the 1880s to find the last time a vacancy was filled. So I think it's highly unlikely. McConnell said Monday about the possibility of confirming a Biden nominee in 2024. So McConnell added that Democrats would employ the same rule if they held the Senate majority and a Republican president nominated a prospective justice in an election year. Bull well, we will now. Shit. I know. No, we'll do it now. Now well, we will. The other thing is, is if, <laughs> if he's threatening this, and listen, I don't want anyone to retire before they're ready. I know RBG got a lot of shit for that. I don't want anyone to retire before they're ready, but we do have a very senior, if you will, Supreme Court justice that maybe there's probably closed door conversations about when do you think might be a good time to leave if McConnell's going to block this up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And AOC has has gone on the record now saying, yeah, maybe probably a good idea for Breyer to resign prior to 2022. Yep. Just in case. I mean, okay? they'll do anything. They will. So. And we got to get Kentanji Brown on there anyway. Ooh, so. Oh, I'd love it. Mm hmm. Uh, and speaking of awesome judges, Judge Amy Berman Jackson has granted Garland's Department of Justice stay on releasing part two of the Bill Barr memo while they appeal. So let me say that again. That's a lot of words and a lot of shit going on in one sentence. You know, uh, uh, they wanted to release the crew, wanted them under a FOIA request to release that Bill Barr memo about why they didn't or why they weren't going to go for obstruction of justice for Trump. And uh, Department of Justice, this Department of Justice said, well, Amy Berman Jackson said, yeah, I agree with crew, hand it over. Uh, and then Department of Justice said, we'll give you the first part, but not the second part because of deliberative process privilege. And and the, and the other DOJ got it all wrong. They they asked for the wrong shit anyway. So here's what they meant because uh, they were dumb. Uh, but here's what they <laughs> meant. And uh, Amy Berman Jackson has responded. And oh, he goes, and can we have a stay? Can you not release that part two until we have a chance to appeal? Uh, so she granted that stay today. It's important to understand this is a placeholder, not a concession by Jackson. Uh, that becomes very clear when you read her response to Maine Justice's filing asking for the stay. She clarifies a stay as an extraordinary remedy. And the considerations for granting a stay include four things, whether the applicant is likely to succeed on the merits, whether Garland is likely to succeed on the merits here with his appeal, whether the applicant will be irreparably injured absent a stay, whether the stay will injure other parties in the proceeding and where the public interest lies. So she starts with the merits and says, that the Department of Justice did not identify a flaw in her decision, nor did they provide grounds to conclude they'd succeed on the merits. <laughs> so <laughs> she sh- she shreds the DOJ arguments and concludes they don't meet the merits requirements for the stay. You're not you're not likely to win on the merits, nor did you even try to prove that. to me. Oh, so, so no. Good. So no on that. Uh, irreparable injury, though, Judge Jackson says the privilege was not established but agrees that releasing the document would moot the ability to appeal and that shit would cause irreparable harm. She's basically saying this, this is so bad that you can't put the tube toothpaste back in the tube. And if I release this, if I don't grant your stay, you don't get a chance to appeal. It would moot that because the cat would be out of the bag. So she agreed 
that weighs heavily there. And she said with regards to public interest, disclosure doesn't outweigh the Department of Justice interest in preserving a privilege that would be lost with disclosure. That's the deliberative process privilege. So she's with them on that. So no on the merits, but because releasing the memo would cause irreparable harm, that outweighs the public interest. She granted the stay. This was expected. This outcome was expected uh, to the request for the stay. It doesn't mean the Department of Justice will win their appeal. In fact, Judge Jackson makes a pretty strong case in this document that they don't have much going for them on the merits in this case. We'll see what happens with that. I, she's she's incredible. I actually I, I love that she's overseeing this case. Now, this is some good news. Um, reality L winner. And the reason I say L is because I think people are confused when you say reality winner because you're like, which reality? Uh, reality L winner, a former National Security Agency contractor who was the first person prosecuted during the Trump administration on charges of leaking classified information has been relieved to a halfway house, her lawyer announced on Monday. So Ms. Winter's more than five-year sentence was shortened because of good behavior, though the government will continue to restrict her public comments. She was released from Federal Medical Center, uh, Carswell, a prison in Fort Worth, Texas. She'll spend the next six months in a halfway house where she will have access to the outdoors, be able to meet with her family, and then be under supervised release. So once she's released from the halfway house, she will still not be able to talk about any of the documents she received while working at the National Security Agency, but she will be able to speak broadly about issues that concern her. She served 63 months and was released for good behavior. That 63 months set the record for the longest sentence for this specific crime. She should never have been in jail in the first place, in prison in the first place. Nope. Agreed. Um, the premiere episode of The Daily Beans, our very first flagship episode, was uh, our, our interview with Reality Winner's mom. So good. And I believe the episode was called Free Reality Winner. So I'm glad she's out of prison, but she still needs a pardon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's those are my feels on that. And she should have been released far, far sooner. Uh, all right. We'll be right back with Frank Fagluzzi with that infamous discussion I've been alluding to all show. We're going to discuss Demers exit from the Department of Justice and some of the other stuff going on with the IG investigation. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison for The Beans, and this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Context Travel. It's my new favorite thing. I'm excited, so excited the world is opening back up to travel, and I'm already planning my next upcoming trips, and I found the absolute best place to start the journey. It's Context Learning. With Context, I'm learning about all the destinations I plan to visit ahead of time. It's like getting insider info of the go-to places for my next big trip long before I hop on a plane. Context runs live, expert-led lectures, courses, and virtual tours around the globe. You can travel with Context across the globe to over 60 cities across six continents. Uh, you can visit the world's cultural and historical capitals. I'm pumped for this. Last time I got a chance to travel overseas, I learned so much about history and my family and the origin of where we came from. And for me, exploring new places has always been an amazing learning experience. And the best part about Context is you skip the line and off hours access to popular sites. On any given day, you can uncover ancient Rome with an actual archaeologist or go behind the velvet rope at the Louvre with an art expert or walk the streets of St. Petersburg with a local guide, all from the comfort of your home. There's a variety of tour durations from half day to seven day plus. You can check out their websites and read testimonials like this one from Bruce in Virginia Beach, who says, these are absolutely the very best tours available anywhere. Cultural, educational, high-end experiences run by top-notch professionals in every single case. I'm convinced there is no organization finer in the area than Context. Uh, Daily Beans listeners, if you love travel and learning as much as I do, you're going to love this for a limited time. When you buy one virtual tour, you get a second one free when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at contextlearning.com. 
That's context, C-O-N-T-E-X-T, learning.com. Again, use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at contextlearning.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am very happy to be joined today by uh, a former FBI uh, assistant director for counterintelligence and host of the podcast, The Bureau, and author of the book, The FBI Way, which I love. Please welcome Frank Figlusi. Hi, Frank. Hey, great to be here because, uh, you know, nothing's happening. So we'll just shoot the breeze casually. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's up? Uh, no, here, here's the thing. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is because there's a lot of confusing information floating around out there uh, on social media today with regards to the uh, department, the, the former guy, the Department of Justice uh, subpoenas of records of members of Congress and possibly McGahn. Uh, what what they were actually subpoenaing, it's metadata. It's got nothing to do with actual conversations or emails or anything like that. Uh, if somebody's a target, et cetera. I mean, there's all sorts of information. And of course, the inspector general investigation and the departure of Demers from uh, the DOJ. Now, this was a planned departure. He was supposed to leave sometime over the summer. Uh, I had put out, uh, and it was sort of insinuated through a lot of headlines that that he was, you know, they would say, He's resigning amid these embroiled accusations of da da da. But the two don't necessarily seem linked. I think maybe he was asked to go ahead and and maybe depart a little early. Got a lot of blowback for that. We don't have any proof of that. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on this announcement, the timing of the announcement and and who he was. And, you know, why? like we'll talk about the uh, inspector general investigation in a minute, but let's let's start there. Yeah. So Katie Benner is the reporter who said, hey, he's going. He's going. I think the date was June 25th. But she was careful to say, look, this was in the works. He, you know, if it's an outgoing administration, an incoming new administration. It would be very common for someone at that level, uh, assistant attorney general in charge of national security, uh, to, to offer his resignation or, or to move on. And, and so he allegedly had this planned. I think the the lead to the article is misleading, and we all know anybody who's ever written anything uh, for a publication knows that you don't choose that headline. Um, it's it's fun to grab attention. So I, I think I think if anything, AG, there's some p- public perception management going on from Garland here, and maybe Demers said, "Look, I understand this. You know, I you got to do something, right? You've you've asked for an IG investigation, and also it might help the good people at Justice if if I just." We made it public that I am going June 25th, if that helps. And I think that's probably at best what we're looking at. I don't think he got booted out the door. <clears throat> at best, there's a perception management issue where maybe either he offered or Garland suggested, eh, let's let's make your departure public about now. That's, that's it. And then with regard to whether he cooperates or not, the IG investigation, I'm, get, I'm getting this question a lot on uh, social media. What's the power of the IG <clears throat> at the Department of Justice? And the bottom line is think of them as in-house uh, internal affairs uh, for current employees. Can they investigate what happened inside DOJ and, and try to interview former employees? You bet. Can they even make a criminal referral to federal prosecutors based on their findings? Absolutely. But do they have the power to compel the cooperation, the testimony, compel a former employee to sit down for interview? A- absolutely not. Okay, so it's they can investigate alleged misconduct of former officials and former DOJ employees, but it's the compelling part to be able to force them to 
to uh, to a- answer questions. Now, questions answered by uh, or during inspector general investigations are under oath. Uh, we know this from the McCabe inspector general investigation and the uh, lacking candor charges they tried to refer to a grand jury that never materialized. But uh, so but I, I don't think Demers would necessarily not answer questions. Yeah, I, I look, the guy has spent virtually a career, uh, you know, at, at this business. He he has a decent reputation. I don't think he's going to thumb his nose at an inspector general inquiry unless this is just so far even worse than we can imagine. And he's somehow at the heart of it. I don't think he's going to let his reputation be completely tarnished by by former AGs, et cetera, and a former president. I just don't. So I'm, I'm hoping he's going to cooperate. But, you know, this is this gets for real wonks and nerds out there on administrative versus criminal investigations. This gets into an interesting thing where um, oftentimes with an internal inquiry uh, in the government, yes, you, the good news is you can compel a, an employee to talk to you. And, and I just tweeted out, you know, hey, they better be talking to him right now before June 25th, right? You want that maximum leverage because you could mess, you could theoretically mess with pension I'm sure he's got all of his pension and vacation time and sick leave all figured out, right? And you could really wreak havoc with that for failure to cooperate while you're an employee. But when they do that, they compel you. It's called being administratively compelled under threat of firing. They are making a decision that there's nothing criminal yet on you. So if there were, they'd have to Mirandize you. And if the IG Mirandizes you, that's a really bad day, by the way. But if they Mirandize you, they can't compel you, right? You can't, you have to pick one or the other. You can't, you can't say you're an employee, you have to cooperate. And by the way, you're a criminal subject. At that and point, you have the right to remain silent. Right, right, right. And you have the right to remain silent, except, of course, if we demand that you talk to us. So, 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 you know, it's good news, bad news sometimes when you're, you know, I, I, I was often reminded when I was leading internal inquiries at the FBI for a period of time. Yeah, you at the point you compel an employee to talk, you can't use that criminal. Yeah. And now let's talk a little bit about the subpoenas themselves, these subpoenas of Schiff and McGahn and, and Swalwell and their quote unquote records, because, you know, I'm reading from the CNN reporting that, you know, the 73 phone numbers and 36 emails, they're actually when they went to Apple, they were looking for metadata and Apple said they didn't know who it was for. And most of this, most of those data are just who spoke to whom and and when. So when somebody says, you know, Trump spied on McGahn, uh, it, it's actually more like, I mean, McGahn just could have been somebody who was contacted in, in a leak investigation and the DOJ wants to see it. We don't know. And that's why this inspector general investigation is so important. But what what are the aspects of, of these kinds of subpoenas? And a lot of people are wondering why a judge, a 30-year judge like Robinson, would sign off on something like this and why a grand jury would be cool with it. Oh, boy. Um, good question. All good questions. And I think, you know, to, to cut to the chase, we've got far more questions than answers on this, which is why we need an IG investigation. And we, we likely need uh, hearings on, on the Hill for this. we got to figure out how bad is bad at DOJ. And and I have to tell you, um, there's a lot. I spent I spent some of my weekend on the phone with others like me who have experienced running leak investigations, and and we were all kind of racking our brain, going, okay, what are what what's the scenario that's plausible here where this isn't really ugly? And we we were having tremendous difficulty with this. This notion that 
that, uh, yeah, you could just very aggressively sweep up people's metadata, you know, and, and subpoena everybody. Well, you could. That would be a total trampling of the protocols and procedures at DOJ and, and, and probably FBI. And here, here's how the scenario works. I've seen a lot of people looking at this scenario where, OK, let's assume it's a staffer in the Intel committee that's leaking and he's the subject of the investigation. And then you subpoena his records and you find out he talked to 72 or 76 people. Now you've got 76 phone numbers. And now here's how this works under a normal administration that follows the rules. You go, hmm, some of those phone numbers are going to be members of Congress because the guy works for members of Congress, right? So let's be very careful not to get ourselves down a, a rabbit hole. And by the way, if a staffer is calling a Congress member he works for, that's probably not our leak because the staffer has the same access, if not less, than the member of Congress. So we don't care about employee talking to boss. We don't. We don't. We're looking for a reporter, right? So at the moment you, and here's how this works again in the FBI when things are working, is you start checking open sources for those phone numbers. In this case, Swalwell and Schiff would have been California phone numbers or, or maybe DC phone numbers for local. Okay. You look open source and go, oh, shoot, those phone numbers are in the FBI directory. That's Schiff and Swalwell. And then, right, where you go on the internet, that's their office. Oh, okay. And you're done at that point. Why? Because you've lost predication to look at Swalwell and Schiff. So this scenario, oh, well, they swept up, uh, they subpoenaed everybody the staffer had called. Nope, that's, that's not how that works. You need separate predication. You can subpoena the identity of the subscriber. Who are each of these people? But at that point, now you start going, okay, it's uh, Schiff's kid. Probably we, we, we're in big trouble. Let's not do that. You know. Mm -hmm. Right. I, none of this makes sense under a normal rule following administration. So this is different if the uh, NSA, say, is monitoring Kislyak's phone and they find General Flynn's number pops up and then they get uh, they're able to uh, investigate or question Flynn on on those contacts. That's different than this. Yes. Well, first, um, with this. The scenario, but the scenario you just gave is a counterintelligence investigation, right? Mm. And the and it's a FISA wiretap on Kislyak, right? Let, let me assume that that's true. I'm not divulging any classified. Okay, right. Let's just assume that uh, the U.S. government uh, intercepts foreign uh, ambassadors and such. Let's just assume. Okay, there's a counterintelligence interest in knowing everything about everybody who calls that person or he calls. There's a big counterintelligence interest in that. So um, you could you can use FISA uh, record business records. You you can obtain those under national security um, uh, clauses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a different scenario. Yeah, I, that's what I figured. Uh, uh, I do have a couple more questions about uh, how far up these kinds of things. Actually, there's no real precedent for these kinds of things, but how far up it should have gone in the DOJ. I do have to take a quick break, though. Will you stay with me? Sure. Ah, hello, Beans listeners. It's AG, Allison Gill. You know me. Today's episode is brought to you by sleep. Helix sleep, to be specific. I love sleeping. It's one of my favorite things. But we've all had restless nights, times when you can't fall asleep, you're tossing and turning, your brain won't stop functioning. Uh, but a lot of times, it could just be your mattress that it's not made for you and your record, your, like your very specific, unique sleeping patterns. So that's why I highly recommend doing what I did. Give yourself an upgrade with Helix Sleep. They solved my sleep issues and they can give you restful nights too. Helix recognizes each of us sleeps differently, so they customize the mattress to fit you and the way you sleep best. Uh, they've created this online sleep quiz. It takes two minutes. It's super easy to use. 
and you complete it, and then they use your answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's plush or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your belly, or if you sleep really hot, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched to the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a full 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it. There's no risk here, but you will love it, I promise. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Again, go to helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Host of the Bureau podcast, author of the FBI way, Frank Faglusi. Frank, how is it even possible that Sessions and Rosenstein and Barr didn't know? Because... Uh, you know, there was reporting that Barr, at the very least, uh, had to have known that they were renewing the gag order right. on, on on these things. And because there's a you know, we bring up Ballantyne, who's the person who was sort of embroiled in those uh, falsified or inadvertently falsified 302s for McCabe and Strzok in the Flynn investigation, you know, where they had post-its and removed some and adds, added some dates and stuff like that. She's the one who submitted those to Flynn as potential exculpatory information. Uh, But, you know, it it just didn't didn't make sense that she would be uh, presenting to a grand jury to get these subpoenas without the knowledge of anybody up above her. Yeah. So here are the rules. Um, At least they were the rules when last I looked. Uh, And that is (laughs) there's something called a SIM, a special investigative matter. And there are there's chapter and verse on what a SIM is. But I can tell you that once you're looking at a member of Congress or the White House counsel, and you're, you're going to subpoena their, their metadata. And by the way, then you're going to go to court because you have enough to say, uh, we can't tell these people yet. Uh, we have the gag. We need to do the gag order again. So, you know, there's, there's no inadvertent accidental re-up of a gag order. <laughs> we inadvertently went to court and asked for a re-up on a gag. Oh, no. Didn't so, even know what it was for. Yeah. So, so when you when you trigger a sim, and that's one that's one of them. There's there's others. Um, uh, members of the clergy, um, uh, journalists, um, uh, maybe sometimes academics, professors. All of these can trigger a sim, and there's various levels of approval that now have to get involved. And at a minimum, at least at the FBI building, it's going to involve the general counsel's office. It's going to involve a senior executive. When members of Congress and White House counsel, you're probably talking the deputy director and and the director, right? (laughs) Similarly, across the street at DOJ, you're going to be looking at an assistant attorney general like John Demers. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Bill Barr himself put out a memo requiring his express authorization for any investigations into any president, vice president, member of Congress running for office? Didn't he make that a thing? Uh, oh, that's that's become infamous, that memo. And he, you know, he particularly wanted to just wrest control from the U.S. attorneys of anything that could that could hurt uh, Trump and the Republican Party during an election period. And and by the way, I, I get the, the caution that has to be exercised as you grow closer. You do not want a repeat of the Jim Comey debacle where he actually ended up influencing uh, perhaps the outcome of an election and, and certainly the perception was there. So yeah, you want, yeah, but he, if, if true, he violated his own 
policy because maybe it involved CNN and the New York Times and Democrats. Yeah, I mean, it just occurred to me. Yeah, no, no member of Congress could be uh, investigated uh, and not 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 in a 60 day window before the election, just ever. Uh, he he said you have to get my well and Swal and Swal you know Swalwell has as you know has been in the past a a candidate for president I mean it's that that's an additional layer of concern right. someone is on that, that national election yeah story. and of course Schiff being uh, head of the Intel Swalwell was being considered for head of Intel if Schiff had left his position uh, at some point I mean that's a that's a <laughs> that's not just like a Marjorie Taylor Greene situation, not that any member of Congress should ever have without criminal predication their records uh, seat. That's the point. It's all about what what causes you to actually go the extra step and get the metadata and what did you have on them? And, and look, if if these all these people were leaking, I, you can't rule that out. Right. I mean, no, nobody's saying, uh, well, maybe they, you know, these people are never leakers. Well, I probably maybe they have. But again, we, we need answers on on this. We need to know well, they would have brought. I feel like they would have brought charges. They brought charges against uh, the woman from the Treasury Department who released all the SARS to to Washington Post. I'm, uh, I'm with- sure Trump and Barr would have liked nothing more than to bring viable charges against those two if they had it. And and the original reporting um, by Kenny Benner and, and others said, uh, no, uh, they didn't have any evidence. And, and allegedly they told Barr, we, we don't have any evidence. And he kept saying, keep digging. Wow. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I know the Senate might be hard pressed to, to subpoena anybody because of the power sharing agreement. You would have to have at least one of the Republicans or Chuck Grassley agree to subpoenas in the, in the Senate judiciary. So that might be difficult. And then, of course, I know Dick Durbin just sent Merrick Garland, hey, I want to see all the subpoenas. But, Frank, if those subpoenas were issued by a grand jury, doesn't Rule 6E, per, like, wouldn't that say Merrick Garland doesn't have to hand that stuff over? Yeah, grand jury secrecy. Yeah. You could absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But but see, I just want to warn everybody, like if Merrick Garland actually argues that don't don't it doesn't mean he's protecting Barr and Trump. That's a great point. And we already know Garland's very much a, about process and an institutionalist. And, and I get it. That's great. We need to preserve the institution. So, yeah, it's not mutually exclusive. He could say, yes, the case is over. Yes, we released the gag orders. However, we're still talking about material that went before a grand jury. And therefore, I'm. I, I think it should remain secret. And then you could have a, you could see a battle over that. Yeah, kind of like how we we all wanted the the Mueller grand jury material mm-hmm. uh, to go through the courts uh, as part of an investigation into a judicial proceeding, which was under Article One impeachment powers, which was a couple months before Nancy Pelosi actually announced the impeachment uh, proceedings into the former guy. All right, lots to go over, lots to think about. Thank you for coming on and explaining some of those uh, some of those things and rules. And oh, uh, it's going to be uh, I. <laughs> I knew we were just chipping away at the tip of the iceberg, but uh, this is a <laughs> unraveling everything that Barr did to the Department of Justice is just going to take so much time and so much effort. Seems like we get a new revelation every day. All right. Thanks so much. Everybody check out the FBI way. It's an incredible book. And please listen to the Bureau. It's on. Uh, hmm, Where is that? MSW Media Podcasts. And you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely incredible podcasts. This this I can't wait for everyone to hear this week's episode. Every Tuesday, a new episode, a new active duty FBI specialist. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Frank Figlizzi. Yep. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp, who provides professional, convenient online counseling. You know, life can throw you curveballs. There can be a lot of stress and anxiety. 
but we don't have to face difficult challenges alone. So if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living a fulfilling life, I really recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate these challenges. And it's not a crisis line or self-help. It's professional licensed therapy done securely online. What they do is they assess your needs. They match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And then you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. You know, I've had my own issues with anxiety and post-traumatic stress. And I know it's hard to ask for help, but you can do it. And you don't have to do it alone. That's the important thing. I love how convenient BetterHelp services are because they're available for clients worldwide. So you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And they're committed to facilitating that great therapeutic match that's so important to the process. So they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. So check out their website and read some of their testimonials like this one by user T.I., who says, my therapist is the best, hands down. I brag about her often and encourage others to join BetterHelp in hopes of finding a therapist as awesome as her. She listens, she cares, she understands, she encourages. Can't ask for a better person to share my healing journey with. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. And this episode of Daily Beans is also brought to you by First Leaf. Uh, Have you ever been standing in the wine aisle, overwhelmed with choices, wondering, well, I like reds, but I want a dry red and I don't know. And then you just pick out the one with the cool label. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. There's First Leaf now. This is a better way to discover wine at a fraction of the price that you find in the store because they're a fully customizable wine club that sends curated boxes of wine customized for your tastes. And they have more award-winning wine than anyone else. With First Leaf, there's no guesswork, no misguided recommendations from employees who don't know what they're talking about. Each wine shipment is entirely customized to your palate and preference. And unlike big box wine memberships, First Leaf offers one-of-a-kind algorithms that use your feedback uh, to curate future wine recommendations. It's amazing. The more wines you taste and review, the better the shipments get. I love their system of rating different wines, too. I give specific preferences based on personal taste, and each shipment improves from the one before. But they're all amazing. And... They go direct so they can pass the savings on to you. You save up to 60% off retail. The convenience of First Leaf uh, is wonderful. Uh, I love doing the unboxings and the tastings. And I like how flexible their subscription system is. It's up to me what wines I get, when I get them, and how often. I, like I said, I prefer dry reds usually, but sometimes I get a mix or a variety. And I've got new favorites so far. But I love trying new things and rediscovering things that I thought I didn't like before because I didn't have a good one. Uh, like a Cab Sauv. There are some really good ones out there. But if you like wine, I recommend trying out First Leaf. Save time, save money, and stress with First Leaf, the wine club designed with you in mind. So join today. You get six bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. Six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it on. Good news is on the way. Oh, all right. Good news time. I needed I need this today. There's so much policy wonk stuff going on that um, my brain needs a break. So why don't we dive in with this first submission from John, pronouns he and him. I wanted to share a bit of good news. Last Friday, Governor Sisolak signed into law five laws, excuse me, that expand voting rights. Nevada has increased access to voters with disabilities and serving overseas. It gets rid of the in-person caucus clusterfuck and replaces it with a state-run primary. (laughs) Good. 
Uh, it gets rid of automatic mail-in ballots sent to all registered voters. No, it gives automatic mail-in ballots that are sent to all registered voters and sets up automatic voter registration at the DMV. Automatic. That's awesome. In a time, yeah, in a time when many states are restricting voting rights, I'm proud to live in a state that is helping all voters' voices be heard. And some schadenfreude is watching a few people on next door lose their minds <laughs> over the expanded <laughs> voting rights, mostly because their arguments are incoherent. <laughs> Next door is a weird place. So good. All right. Thank you. This next one's from Mac, pronouncing him. Hello, ladies of the legume. Since uh, you so recently created the What is Louis Gomer Dumber Than game, I've been buzzing with <laughs> ideas. Two of my favorites are games. Um, two of my favorites are games I've enjoyed over the pandemic Pokemon Sword and Final Fantasy 12. Is that 12? Seven. 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 Remake. Ahem. Okay. <laughs> Louis Gomer is dumber than a bag of wet. Pikachu's because Pikachu's is an electric mouse. These are in parentheses, <laughs> just so you know that I'm not the one trying to explain them to Allison. <laughs> um, Louis Gomert is dumber than a room of Shinra executives because the Shinra Electric Company is full of executives so cartoonishly evil they'll blow up part of their own city and blame it on extremists without blinking. <laughs> nice. Thanks for coming up with things like this while we fight to free our democracy from idiots like this, because it does get depressing at times without moments of lightness. It oh, does wonderful. indeed, Mac. Agreed. Thank you, Mac. That was wonderful. Why don't you take the next uh, two? Because you got your favorite limousist here. <laughs> nice. All right. BB, pronoun she and her, a limerick. So Gates and Green enter a bar, decreasing the IQ by far. <laughs> Who would be stupider? Gomert by Jupiter, he orbits his own special star. It's very good. <laughs> uh, I read ahead on that one. It made me giggle. All right, go ahead. Oh, wonderful, BB. And next up from Anonymous, no pronouns given. I don't even have any answers per se. I just want to play to Louis Gomert. <laughs> Calling Louis, Louis Gomert is stupid is an insult to stupid people. If What's that from? Fish called Wanda. Look at That's you. I'm don't just gonna don't call you. me stupid. Don't come. Yes, of course. Calling you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Uh, next, if Louis Gomer were any dumber, you'd have to water him twice a week. Dumb as a plant. <laughs> if Louis Gomer were a spice, he'd be flour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm jealous of the people who have never heard of Louis Gomer. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Louis Gomer would brag about completing a jigsaw puzzle in three weeks because it said two to four years on the box. <laughs> There you go. Those are all good ones. Oh, good one. All those. right. This next one's from Mary, pronoun she and her. My good news is that I'm going to be a bridesmaid to my best friend's wedding later this year. She was supposed to get married on September 12, 2020, but had to postpone for uh, her wedding because of the pandemic. Now she's getting married at the end of 2021. Uh, looking forward to this wedding has been one of the things that has kept me going throughout the last year and, and change. In lieu of pet tax, I have a strange place name for you. There's a town in New Jersey called Hohokas, which yeah, I'm assuming is Hohokas. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would say. I of would course, say there's no, there's no answer here. No. Nope. So it's probably just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. So it like people who are cool say to their family during Christmas, Hohokas. All right. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's all I got. Hohokas. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up from Nancy, pronoun she and her. Uh, yep, yep. Denim. All right. Nancy. Pronoun she and her. Hello, ladies of the bean. Just the one. First off, thanks for getting me through 2020. 
been listening for uh, for at least a year and a half now, and I probably would have lost my mind during the lockdown and curfew that we had here in Serbia. Oh, oh wow. Serbia. Awesome. I've been meaning to write ever since the first time I heard the name Andre Durkac. In Serbian, his last name is word for a person who is a jerk. And also, pardon my French, jerks off a lot. <laughs> and I giggle every time I hear it. I think of him as Mr. Masturbator. That's fantastic. Well, now we have a new nickname for Durkac. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, cool. I'm going to put that in my arsenal. Whoever keeps the spreadsheet for all of our nicknames, file this under right next to Big Dick Toilet Wine for Matthew Whitaker, uh, Mr. Masturbator. Andre Durkac, because in Serbian, it's somebody who it's like a wanker. There you go. All right. As pod pet tax, I give you my eight year old Westie named Kez rhymes with mess named after a character from Star Trek Voyager because they have the same ears. She's on the small side for her breed, but she makes up for it with her character. She was my constant companion during the long work from home hours, as you can see in the photo, and she loves napping with her mom, Luna. Thanks again and keep up the awesome work. Oh, oh, goodness. Oh, oh, oh my god look at the like it's not a yin yang because they're both white but that's basically what that is that's so adorable oh my goodness i want to spoon someone well no i don't because that's butt to face but you know <laughs> whatever if you're into that great too but they're so cute <laughs> they are adorable okay uh um i think we have time for this last one yeah this is yeah we um, sure do uh Luz, she her ea uh, we have all begun the process of rebuilding our lives with hopefully a different perspective, given what we have gone through. I, for one, have lost five members of my extended family to the pandemic and several acquaintances within the community. This last year has been, without a doubt, the worst ever. I the worst ever, and I live in New York and was in Manhattan during 9/11 attacks. And four years later, I became a widow who held my beloved in my arms as he took his last breath. So, boy, do I know bad years. I did not make sourdough bread, did I learn a new language, and did not write the great American novel. But at the head of TPA, Tourism Promotion Agency, in the Bronx, New York, I launched a podcast on the history of the borough to make up for the sudden shutdown of all tourism. In May, our podcast, Go Bronx Pod, awesome, won a Webby for Best Limited (laughs) Series. Yes, I was inspired by you in a peripheral way, so thank you for that. Also, I found my biological family. My goodness. Uh, I was abandoned by my birth mother as an infant, and through a DNA service I joined four years ago, I connected with a family member. As a result, I met a younger brother and the older sister. I'm five one, and my little brother six two. My big sister is four eleven. I'm looking to eventually write the great American novel about the experience. Please do. For me, the pandemic is the pandemic is quote a reset. There's no going back to normal. I'm hoping that this past five years have taught us some very valuable lessons about what truly matters and that we're all here to interconnect and be of service to each other. I've also purged my life from hateful, toxic people. Ain't nobody got time for that. I love animals, but don't have any pets as I'm hoping to going back to a traveling and it would not have been fair for me to bring a puppy into my life, no matter how lonely it got. But I do have furry nieces and nephews from families and friends for me to play with here. Here's a picture of Astoria. She's a full bred. Guess what? Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! A fox? Like a what is that? We're about to find out. That I don't know what that dog is. It's, a, I, it's an African Ben Benzenji. Oh, Benzenji. She 
there's a little sign that says these dogs do not bark. Aren't they also hypoallergenic or am I thinking of something else? Maybe I need a Basenji because I'm not supposed to have dogs in my apartment, but they don't ever check my apartment. So if there's not a dog barking, hey, I'm going to start traveling again too. I can't. What a sweet angel though. What a cute dog. I feel like that dog has things to say though. You know what I mean? But can't. This, yeah, this is like an old man dog. This has like old soul eyes dog. Like yeah. I got some, ser- I've seen some shit. I got some serious stuff to tell you about really? that, you, that that is from a past life. You aren't even going to believe it. Yeah. What a honey. What an adorable baby. Thank you for sharing that. And wow, that, what a journey, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And congratulations on your Webby. God, that has to feel so good. I remember how good that felt. Congratulations, Olga. That's amazing. I'm going to check that out. That podcast, it's called Go Bronx Pod. Wonderful. wonderful. These submissions were awesome. Uh, all right, everybody, thank you so much for submitting. Uh, these are wonderful submissions. And if you have anything you want to share with us or you want to play the dumb Louis Gomert, the Louis Gomert is dumb game. The game isn't dumb. Uh, you can do that by going to uh, dailybeanspod.com, clicking on contact, sending in, yeah, virtually anything you want to send us. Virtually. Uh, we would appreciate it. Do you have any uh, thoughts before we get out of your mouth? No, <laughs> I still can't feel my face. So there was a couple, every time I said, there was a, like a little flutter. Cause I, my bottom lips, like Stephanie does. All right. Well, thank you uh, so much. And I hope that you get some rest, my friend, and we will see you tomorrow. I'm looking forward. Um, Yeah, me too. And everybody else until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice.